You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. What's up, folks? Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. Happy New Year. I know I wished y'all Happy New Year's on the last episode because that episode came out after New Year's, but this is actually the first time I am sitting down in 2023 to record an episode, so I just thought I'd say Happy New Year's again. So welcome to the show. I hope y'all are doing well. Uh, My little baby girl is actually sleeping over here about 15 feet away. I'm fairly amazed that she's just laying there asleep while I'm talking fairly loud so close to her but uh my wife had to work tonight uh my usual babysitter her grandparents uh were unable to because her grandma was sick uh my mom was also unavailable i texted a few other people they were all unavailable last minute and so i am babysitting slash recording tonight so uh at the moment it doesn't seem to be affecting her so so that's good but if you hear some uh, some random cries or you know whatever whimpers in the background don't worry, it's just my daughter. I promise she's okay. So, so yeah, welcome to this episode. This is, again, the first episode I'm recording in 2023. We have a great show ahead of us. Uh, very pumped about it. Um, you know, spoiler, whatever, I'm going to say it. I am tagged out uh, in Oklahoma this year, on, on Bucks at least. Um, still got a few doe tags. I might try to uh, fill some of those tags this weekend. I'm going to get into that in just a second. But uh, but yes, I was able to harvest my second buck, and that is what this episode is going to be about. So, um, man, it felt so good. Uh, it, I, 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 well, I don't want to spoil anything. I was about to get into it, but that's so that's what the episode's about. So I won't get into it just yet. So, so yeah, happy New Year, to you guys. We still have. Let's see, this is gonna drop on Monday. We still have about a week of season season left when this drops. And man, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Don't give up. If you have not filled your tags, your freezer, whatever you know, whatever you haven't filled yet. Don't give up yet. Um, I man, 
more, I, I was going to say more than one hand, but maybe that's not true. I have filled a lot of tags after January 1st. I have filled a lot of tags after January 8th or whatever this, uh, whatever this podcast is going to drop. Um, so yeah, don't give up yet. Honestly, the later it gets, I think the better it gets at this point. Um, you know, I've talked about how December can be tough. I had, uh, you know, I've talked about my struggles in December the past couple weeks, had some close calls, um, but it didn't come together. And then, uh, December 28th was when I, when I shot my second buck, which was actually the same day and in the same spot that I shot my buck last year. So maybe I gave away too much just now, but whatever, y'all are going to hear it anyway. So, so yeah, um, again, we're going to be talking about the, the, my buck this week. I'm trying to think of what else I have to tell you guys. Um, Christmas was great. New Year's was great. Got to spend some time with the family. Um, back to work now. That was rough. Uh, getting back to work after the holiday is is always so rough. But uh, getting back in the groove. Uh, man, I you know I found myself today. I can't believe it because you know like hunting season's still going. We still got, like I said we got a little bit of deer hunting. I'm going deer hunting this weekend. Um, we still have you know duck season. Um, it's going to be like var- prime varmint hunting time soon, um, doing some hog hunting and stuff. So like there's still hunting to be done for sure. But I found myself today, my mind kept drifting to fish. And I can't believe that because like, I mean, y'all know if you've listened to this podcast for a while, like I am not a huge fisherman, but over the last, I'm going to say two years now, I've just kind of been slowly getting back into it, especially now that I, you know, I have my boat and stuff. Um, last year made a couple trips to Texoma. Uh, I made, uh, let's see, I think I went to Broken Bow twice. Uh, went to Lake Murray a couple times. So yeah, just been getting out there, getting on the water, fish some ponds, uh, which I really enjoyed. Uh, I'm not a great fisherman, if you, as you guys probably know if you listen to this podcast. So I enjoy a nice little farm pond where they're trapped and they can't get away from me. Um, but yeah, found myself dreaming of doing a little bass fishing. I found myself like usually when I drive around in the country and I see a pond, like, oh, like duck hunting, like maybe I need to talk to that landowner about duck hunting. I've actually found myself like, maybe I need to go knock on that guy's door to see if I can do some fishing there. So, so yeah. And then, uh, I follow the, like a, you know, a couple fishing pages on Facebook and stuff. I really, you know, if you, yeah, I've talked about it several times on here, uh, about like getting into striper fishing on Lake Texoma. I did catch my first striper last year, but I caught one out of all all the trips I made. Uh, you know, it's not it's not like I I'm, I li- I don't live close enough to take someone to just like run over there real quick. You know, I kind of have to plan for it. Um, but I made gosh, I don't know, four or five trips I think last spring and caught one striper. So definitely need to improve on that. But um, anyway, kind of kind of rambling now. So got lots of lots of hunting left to do, lots of fishing upcoming. Um, I really, really need to do some predator hunting this year. I think I talked about it a few times on this. I saw so many stinking coyotes on our property this fall. Um, you know, a lot of times when I was just deer hunting and man, I, I know a lot of people will will sacrifice their deer hunt to shoot a coyote. I'm just not quite there. Um, you know, if I, if one just really, actually I tried to shoot one, but never gave me a shot. But, uh, when I'm deer hunting, like I'm just in deer mode. Um, but deer season's, you know, pretty much over now, just about this last week. And so I really need to do some varmint hunting. Um, definitely need to do some hog hunting. I have been getting pictures of hogs. Like, you know, most of my feeders and stuff are, are pinned, but, uh, I've gotten, gotten a lot of pictures of hogs, like walking around my feeder pen, like trying to get into the corn, trying to find the weakness, 
Uh, you know, they're tearing up my food plots and stuff like that. So I definitely need to get out there and shoot some hogs. Um, yeah, just, just the work is never done. And all, you know, I've, I've definitely started, uh, thinking about some habitat projects I'm going to get into. Uh, you know, I was asking my brother about the dozer, making sure it's running everything. Been looking on Google earth, you know, last year we did a big, we, we burned like, I want to say we burned 25 acres, uh, last spring. And I've kind of been shifting my mind, looking at the map, like, all right, you know, where can we burn this year? Um, Man, oh gosh, my my poor little deer spot. Uh, the drought really, really, really hurt it. Um, you know, we did the burning and everything. I was all excited about it, but then you know, I've mentioned we had to turn the cows back there uh, over the summer, and then we just never really got any rain to help it recover. Um, my brother turned the cows back there over Christmas, which I don't blame him. Uh, you know, so he didn't have to feed for a couple of days. And uh, I wasn't really hunting back there anyway, so so it was okay. But um, man, it just it just it just kind of set it back even more. Like you know, I'm I'm trying to make that area like my deer haven, and just the way that Mother Nature's kind of been acting the last couple of years, um, it's just not really working out that way. So. So I've got a lot of things uh, planned for the spring. Uh, definitely need to do some more uh, timber stand improvement. I got to take out some more cedars. Going to do some burning. Uh, I want to make a water hole or two in some certain spots to try to just you know make me a few more hunting spots. Um, this year was which you know I didn't get to hunt a, hunt a ton this year and it was very spread out, which was honestly probably good. But uh, I just need to make a few more spots to where I'm not hunting the same places over and over again. You know that's one thing I really preach is not not over hunting your spots. And so just, you know, the more places I can come up with, the more habitat I can create, the more just, you know, just the more deer happy things I can come up with, the better. So, so yeah, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that stuff a whole lot more coming up in the, in the next couple months. Cause you know, when we get into more habitat season, but right now we have a fantastic podcast I already, you know, spilled the beans. I killed a buck. We're going to be talking about that this week. And uh, if I have time, I might just, you know, quickly go over just some kind of highlights of my 2022 year because I don't think this story is going to fill up a full hour. Um, and so, yeah, I might go over some other highlights, you know, look back on some memories from the year, some good, some bad. And uh, and who knows, maybe even talking a little bit about the future. So, so yeah, that's what we have going for this week. Um, really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, man, 2022 was awesome uh the growth in the podcast the community um like i said you know so many people rat- reached out to me this fall um you know asking questions or sharing success stories and i loved it i really really loved it and i hope it continues to grow so 2022 was awesome i hope 2023 is going to be even better um man i've been talking to some really exciting guests and so i hope you guys are ready for it so So yeah, as usual, we're going to hear a quick word from our partners, and then we'll get into the podcast right after this. With spring right around the corner, it's about time to switch out that bow or rifle for a bait caster spinning reel. That's right, the spawn will be there before you know it, so you better head over to Private Water Fishing and sign up for your membership. At the very least, head to privatewaterfishing.com and check out some of the amazing lakes they have to offer. There are large, well-managed private lakes all over Oklahoma and Texas that you can have all to yourself just by signing up for a membership. So don't wait and get signed up today to start fishing. This year, more than any other, trail cameras played a huge role in me bagging two great Oklahoma bucks. And with all those trail camera photos pouring in, I looked to Deer Lab to help keep everything organized and up to date. 
Not only is DeerLab a great way to organize all those photos, but it can help you track specific deer and learn their habits using factors like wind, weather, time of day, moon phase, and of course, location. It's your one-stop shop for everything trail camera related. So check them out at DeerLab.com and don't forget to use code OKLAHOMAOUTDOORS for 20% off your membership. There is truly no place like the great outdoors in Oklahoma. When you're out in the wild, you want your wireless devices to work. Unlike other carriers, Bravado Wireless believes that coverage in rural areas is important so that you stay connected. With competitively priced plans and coverage where you need it, the mission of Bravado Wireless is to keep you connected no matter where you are. Visit bravadowireless.com or check them out at one of their retail locations. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. With the stock market and just about any other type of financial institution struggling right now, there is one old go-to investment that rarely lets you down, and that's land. The old saying, they're not making any more of it, sure rings true, and now maybe more than ever. If you're looking for someone to help you navigate the world of real estate, look no further than Oklahoma-based Arrowhead Land Company. Their knowledgeable team of outdoors men and women can help you navigate this crazy market and help you buy or sell your property with confidence. Whether you are a fourth-generation Okie or an out-of-stater looking to find a new place to settle down, Arrowhead Land Company can help. Alright folks, it's time to get into the meat and potatoes of this week's episode. We are going to be talking about my 2022 archery buck. Uh, I've already put him all over social media, so it's not like I'm giving anything away by saying I got a buck. That's what this week's episode is going to be about, obviously. I think I even mentioned it in the intro, so again, no secret necessarily, uh, but a pretty cool story and one that I'm very excited to share with you guys. So, um, I, I believe in Deer Lab, I had this buck labeled as Eight Ball. I think that's what I had, had named him, you know, officially or whatever in in the Deer Lab. But uh, let's be honest, basically, I just called him the Big Eight because. When he showed up, like there was no doubting it was him. Uh, he was a, a super mature buck. Uh, have had a little bit of history with him. I'm going to get into that in just a second. Um, but just a really, really big, nice eight point. Um, you know, obviously I knew he wasn't going to score like crazy high, um, but for an eight point, I knew he was really nice. And so, uh, so this is a buck that I learned about last year. And I uh, got several pictures of him last year, but he wasn't very consistent. Um, I'd get some pictures of him here. I'd get some pictures of him over there. Um, and again, it was, it was very random. Uh, he was kind of a, a little bit all over the place. And, and even in his randomness, he wasn't really consistent. You know, I, I, it was nothing to go a week or more without getting a picture of him last year. So he was definitely on the radar. Um, last year, he, he was on the archery hit list. But not like my big time hit list. Um, he was, I, I'm pretty sure he was a four, maybe a five year old last year. Um, I, I never saw him with my bow. I did actually see him during rifle season. There was a, uh, there was one Saturday. I want to say it might have been, I think it was the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Uh, I went up and sat in the saddle with my rifle one morning and I saw like three or four mature bucks that, uh, that sit. Um, saw several eight, I, I think I saw three mature eight points and he was one of the three. Um, I had already seen one walk across the saddle. I had seen a second one walk back across the saddle and then come back out and kind of walk towards me. And then getting towards the end of the sit, this was all a morning sit. 
uh, I saw this buck. You know, I'm calling the big eight. Uh, I saw him walk out at a pretty good distance. I want to say he was like 240, 240 yards, something like that. And I'm looking through my, through my binoculars, and I'm, I'm trying to talk myself into shooting or not shooting him. Like, I, like he was definitely, he was the biggest deer I'd seen that morning. Um, again, but like, you know, I was just seeing so much buck movement. Uh, and he was just, like, he was nice, but he just, he wasn't quite nice enough to use my, my rifle tag on. I didn't think. And so, again, I kind of, I watched him come up over this hill and then he actually disappeared into a draw where I had seen the second buck uh, walk into, and uh, so he walked off. And I pulled. I think I had my phone hooked up to my, uh, my my phone scope and my binoculars that morning, and I'd taken a bunch of pictures of him while he was standing up on this hill. And after he walked off, I was kind of looking through the pictures, and I was like, "Man, he's a little nicer and a little more mature than I thought." And so I was like, "Man, like if he comes back out." I might just have to shoot him. So while he was away, I actually talked myself into shooting him. And so I'm sitting there, and lo and behold, about three or four minutes later, I see him coming back out of that draw where he just went into. Again, he's pretty far. He's, I think, 220-ish, something like that. Um, but I had my uh, my 300 wind mag. I felt good at that distance. And so he walked out in the open, and I, you know, I, I pulled my phone scope off so I could just get a really good look at him through my binoculars. I'm looking at him. I'm looking at his tine length. I'm looking at his, you know, his neck and his chest and his stomach, trying to get a good age on him. I, I finally convinced myself he's five years old and that I should not let this buck get away. So put the binoculars down, and I'm picking my rifle up, and I'm, I'm getting ready to shoot him. Again, this is last year. This is 2021. Uh, so I'm getting ready to shoot him, shoot him. And I, I don't remember exactly what happened. Something happened and he spooked before I got a shot. I don't remember if it was a coyote or another deer or what, but as I'm getting my rifle out, uh, I, I basically just see him run back where he came from. And so that kind of ended the controversy. Um, he didn't come back out again. I just talked myself into shooting him. He was nicer than I thought, but he he got away essentially. Um, I, I wasn't fast enough. It took me too long to make my mind up. So that was the only time I actually saw him in 2021. And then uh, so that would have been you know last week of November ish, something like that when I saw him. Uh, he kind of disappeared again. And then towards the end of the year, like late December, he showed up at this uh, feeder on the east side of our property. And got, I wouldn't say super consistent, but got more consistent than he had been all year. Uh, he was coming in mostly at night um, at this feeder. and uh, But towards, you know, basically around Christmas, uh, he started showing up in daylight a little bit. And so I went in to kill him. I was actually after this buck. I don't know if I ever admitted this last year. I was actually after this buck when I killed my archery buck last year. Same spot, same location, same day, actually. Um, I had gotten a daylight picture of this deer. Um, I had been hanging out with my wife's family. I actually talked to my wife into letting me take her brother hunting, uh, brought him up here, and uh, he was hog hunting in a different spot. I was deer hunting, and uh, I actually thought that it was this deer coming in uh, when I killed my buck last year, um, but it was actually a different eight point. It was a, a four-year-old that had been kind of running with him, very, very similar racks, uh, much smaller, unfortunately. That buck, uh, he was an eight-point also, just didn't score quite as high. Uh, was still super proud of him last year. Um, you know, I wouldn't say it was necessarily a mistake. I realized it was a different deer before I shot him, uh, but it was, you know, I didn't know if I was going to get to hunt anymore. That buck was there, so I went ahead and killed him. So 
Uh, and that was my second tag last year. And so I think that was my second tag. I don't remember now. Was that my second tag? Anyway, anyway, filled a tag then. And, uh, and, um, yeah, so, so the hunt for this buck last year was over. Uh, had a different eight point, all that to say, done deal. So, so this year comes around, 2022 comes around and, uh, I'm, I'm super excited because, you know, we did our burning. Um, I got my new blinds. I spent a ton of time last year setting everything up, getting everything ready for this year. Um, but I've talked about it in the past this year. It really didn't turn out near as good as I thought just buck wise. Um, you know, the crazy drought, I think hurt us. Uh, most of the bucks that I had pictures of last year and lived till this year were smaller than they were, um, last year, I think, including this buck, um, uh, the 2% buck that I talked about, he was smaller, um, and I just didn't have as many mature bucks this year as I had in the past. I want to say this year, I only got pictures of like four mature bucks and I ended up killing two of the four. Um, so it just wasn't near as good of a year as I expected. And I, I, I don't know. I think I'll probably go into that some other day. I think the drought definitely had something to do with it. Um, I've talked about how we had to put the cows in the back in my deer area over the summer. I think that definitely hurt it. And, uh, and honestly, me doing so much stuff to get ready for this year probably didn't help myself with that either. Just, um, you know, going back to all these locations so many times, uh, you know, like I, I would go to them, look loca- the location once to like get the feeder and the feeder pin built. And then I'd come back and, and I set all the blinds out and then I came back and raised all the blinds up. And then I had to come back and like build the ladders, to all the blinds. And so I, I put way, way more human pressure on our property last year in 2022 than I should have. And, and some of that was somewhat knowingly, like there's wasn't any other way around it. Um, but I also kind of basically in my back, in the back of my mind, I knew that it might suffer this year, but it would help me in the future because, you know, this coming year, I don't have to do any of that. Like all my blinds are already there. All my feeders are there. My feeder pins are there. Um, you know, I do plan to do a little bit of habitat work this spring, but for the most part this year, I'm basically just going to leave it alone. So anyway, all that to say, um, I think that all that stuff that I just mentioned contributed to this being somewhat of a, a down year with mature bucks. So, so anyway, coming into this year, running all my cameras. Um, I got, uh, I got a few pictures over the summer, but really nothing, nothing huge, nothing that got me super excited. Um, I did have the one nice, uh, four-year-old, uh, split G2 buck. I think I put a couple pictures of him up there. Uh, I'm pretty sure my nephew, uh, shot him. Uh, he and my brother were hunting together. Um, they shot this buck or they thought they shot this buck. He didn't have a flashlight, went back to the house. I don't know if I ever told this story. Uh, this was during youth weekend. Um, came back. They couldn't find any blood or anything. They decided that he missed. Um, they went back the next evening evening and shot a different buck. But the, the first buck that they had shot at, and I was pretty confident I knew which one it was, never showed up again. And that was my super promising four-year-old that I had decided to pass. So that was kind of a bummer. Um, but anyway, just moved on. And this buck, uh, this, the big eight, he started, he didn't show up the first time till I think late October. And he started showing up on this East place where I, you know, got pictures of him last, uh, December. And, uh, but again, he wasn't very consistent. Uh, this year he did it a little, like he would show up for two or three days in a row all at night. And then he would leave for like a week and a half. He'd show back up for a night leave for a week, show back up for a night, leave for four days. And just kind of like, you know, he'd come once or twice, you know, in a row and then leave. And they were, it was always at night. 
Uh, so fast forward a little bit, the rut comes around, I take my vacation, he's not showing up, I end up hunting basically the other side of our property, um, killed my, my awesome 10 point during muzzleloader season, uh, you know, was blown away with him, uh, and then, you know, once that kind of happened, you know, November was pretty slow for me, I think I mentioned, I'm not even sure I hunted in Oklahoma during November this year, if it was, it was if I did, it was just a day or two, um, obviously I still had all my cameras running and everything like that. Um, got some pictures of some good, uh, I, I had the big eight, I had a different eight point that was really nice. And then I had the 2% buck, um, you know, showing up every now and again. Um, but overall it was somewhat of a slow November and then December comes around and, and I told you guys, like I, I tend to not hunt a ton, uh, during that middle part of December because usually the bucks are just kind of doing their, you know, they're hiding basically. They're done with the rut. Um, they're trying to regain, uh, weight for you know winter time there's laying low and recuperating but for some reason this year uh, i think it was because we had a pretty cold december uh, i actually had quite a bit of action going on uh early to mid december um and so i i told the story um you know of my two percent buck encounter that was the same weekend that i was actually planning to hunt this buck the big eight um he man for some reason like early to mid-december he started showing up incredibly consistent. I'm talking every day and in daylight most times. It started like he was coming right at the edge of daylight. Um, and then it just slowly kind of started like he'd come out a little earlier, a little earlier. Um, man, when that when we had that real cold snap in December, he was there. Like basically the feeder would go off and he was there. Um, he was ruling the roost there. Like in the morning, I'd get some pictures of uh, these like two or three does that would come in every morning. He would come in in the evening, and like I would, there would be no other deer there with him. And then as soon as he'd leave, there'd be some younger bucks. A little bit later, those does would come back. Um, again, in the morning, it was usually just the does. Like he just, he just took over this feeder. Like it was his own personal, uh, you know, dinner table, whatever you want to call it. So, so I mentioned, uh, man, it's been about a month ago at this point. Um, he was coming in super consistently. We had that cold front. And I went up that weekend with the full intention of killing him. But again, he was being so consistent, I decided I just needed to be patient. Like, there was no reason to rush it. And so, um, I went up that weekend uh, on Saturday. The wind wasn't right. And so, I, I talked to my wife. I, I, I didn't go up there on Friday. I, I stayed and, and hung out with my wife because uh, the wind was also wrong that day. So, I went up Saturday and I was like, hey... I don't think I can kill him Saturday because the wind's just not right. Um, but if you're okay with it, I'm going to stay and hunt Sunday evening. And like, there's just like, again, I, I was just so confident. I was like, I'm, I'm going to kill him. Like, I don't know how else to say it. If you, if you know, if you're okay with it and I can stay till Sunday, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to kill him and I'll be done. You know, I'll be tagged out. And so she was okay with it. Um, Saturday evening, that's when I didn't hunt him. I went to the other spot and had my, my really cool, crazy encounter with the 2% buck. Um, and that was awesome. Uh, man, <laughs> seeing that deer on the hoof, the 2% buck made me, it made it really hard, honestly, uh, to go kill this deer because I, I, I somewhat felt like I was giving up. Um, you know, I, I had learned so much about the 2% buck. Like I saw where I thought he was probably betting. Um, you know, I, I had him basically in bow range or slightly out of, and the stupid water bottle scared him off. I think I told y'all the next night I had a picture of him, and he was a mile away. 
And so I was like, you know, I, I, I probably boogered him up. Um, I, you know, this, this eight point is a really nice deer. I just need to go kill him. So, so again, that was Saturday evening. So Sunday comes and, uh, and like, I'm just, I'm just gearing up because again, like I have never been more confident going into a hunt than I was, was going into this hunt. So I'm, I took all the precautions still, um, you know, right before I left the house, I took a, a scent-free shower. <coughs> Excuse me. I had uh, I had ran the Ozonics uh, on my clothes. I think that was the first time I, I pulled out my Ozonics all year. Ran the Ozonics on my clothes. Um, the wind was supposed to be good. Uh, it wasn't, like, perfect, but it was supposed to be good. You know, I felt very comfortable with it. Um, I, I shot my bow. Like, I just, like, I was just so prepared because I was so confident. I just knew this buck was going to come out. So, uh, leave the house nice and early, park the truck. Um, I also broke out all my camera gear. Like I, I've taken my camera with me a few times this year. Uh, actually, you know, I had it with me when I shot my muzzleloader buck, even though I wasn't able to get much footage. Um, cause that just happened so fast, but you know, I had my camera arm, I uh, had my camera, I had my GoPro. Um, again, I'd ran my Ozonics. I brought my Ozonics with me. Like I was just, I was dressed to the nines. Like I was ready. I just, this was going to happen. So, uh, this location, I have a tree stand. It's not a blind, just a nice uh, old-fashioned tree stand. So get in there, climb the tree, you know, be nice and uh, quiet. I had purposely not worn my coat in because I didn't want to get hot and sweaty and stuff. So hang my coat up, pull my bow up, get my bow ready, um, get the Ozonics running. I get my camera arm going. This, this was the first year I had hung my uh, camera arm in a tree. Not the first year, the first time this year. And so I was, uh, you know, a little bit just just kind of clumsy with it you know I, I didn't have my my system down because it was the first time i'd brought it so so i had the camera arm set up and everything had the camera running tested the camera out and, uh made sure i didn't make the same mistake i made during muzzleloader season that i had the manual focus and all the manual or i'm sorry the automatic settings on instead of the manual settings and basically i was set up and good to go and so again that deer i think he had been there I think he'd been there four days in a row in daylight and like five out of the last six days. Like I think one day he came after dark, but the day before that, uh, he was in daylight. So again, just, just everything said that it was going to happen. So I'm all set up again. I'm hunting a feeder. Um, the way this setup is, is basically the deer bed on the neighbors. It's real thick and nasty over there. And then we have our pasture and then there's a Creek that actually comes out of the neighbors and kind of loops around and then parallels it. And so it's probably 120-ish yards uh, from the creek to the neighbor's woods. And so I'm hunting on that creek, and basically a lot of times the deer come off the neighbors, they follow that creek, and then they come to the feeder. And so that's that was the setup. Um, again, just feeling super confident. So I'm sitting there, got my my watch and my phone um you know just keeping track of time and everything and you know i'm checking and i think i had the feeder set off to go go off at 4:45 the day before that buck had been there at i want to say like 5:28 you know about 30 45 minutes after the feeder went off so sitting there i look at my uh clock and it's like 4:43 and so i make a mental note like the feeder's about to go off cuz it still it still scares me every time when the feeder goes off you know i jump so i'm always trying to be you know keep track of time be prepared and so feeder goes off and i'm like all right like it's crunch time put you know put the phone away i was like you know it, it could really happen any minute because i've 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 seen where you know just because i get a picture at a certain time 
doesn't mean that the deer don't come out before that, you know, because a lot of times they're cautious, they're moving downwind of the feeder, and just because they jump in the feeder pen doesn't mean that the, the camera's going to get a picture of them right away. So I'm, I'm ready. I know it could happen at any time. So feeder goes off, and I mean, I, I bet maybe two minutes had passed, and all of a sudden I hear like a rustling in the leaves. And so I was like, man, what the heck? And I, I, my first thought went to hogs. Like, you know, when a group of hogs comes through, they're real loud and noisy. Well, I look up and I'm looking around and I see a guy on a horse. <laughs> and uh, I know I've told this story before. And so, but yeah, I see a guy on a horse, two other guys on horses. They got a pack of hog dogs with them. Uh, they're basically, they're, you know, they're on the neighbor's hog hunting. And, uh, you know, I can see like they have their catch dogs next to them. Uh, I can hear more dogs running around in the timber, you know, trying to get a scent and stuff. And and they basically just walk all the way across that fence line, right where the deer no, you know, normally come from. And so I'm I'm disappointed. I'm frustrated. Um, again, like I'm trying not to get angry at them. You know, they're on their property. Um, the hogs are really bad. Um, you know, it's it's probably a good thing that they are doing it. I just I just wish they weren't doing it. You know, during deer season. So so anyway, that evening I ended up not seeing a single deer. Um, there had been like four or five different deer that had been coming in every day. Didn't see a single one, including my shooter. So that was that hunt. Uh, gosh, I don't remember the date on that. That would have been around just eyeballing, uh, around the 14th ish, something like that. And so go back home, go back to work. Um, I'm not able to hunt the next weekend cause it's, uh, you know, Christmas time and the holidays and everything. And so the next time I'm able to go is October, I'm sorry, October, December 28th. So it's between Christmas and New Year's. I talked to my boss. We decided that we were not going to work that week. Um, I, I ended up having to work a little bit, you know, take a few phone calls, run out to a job site or two. But, uh, but I told my wife uh, we were planning to, to hang out with our uh, small group from church that weekend and have them out to the ranch. And so I was like, hey, like, if it's okay with you, I know it's kind of a burden, but I would really like to go up, like, maybe Wednesday. You know, her and all our friends were going to come up on Friday. I figured that would give me two days to hunt before they got there. And that buck, like, like is the next day after those hog hunters left, that buck was back in daylight. <laughs> he had been in daylight that whole two-week time period, basically. Um, the, the crazy freeze we had messed him up a little bit. Uh, he, he laid low for a day or two. But as soon as that freeze was over, I think that freeze hit, what, Christmas Eve, or the day before Christmas Eve. Um, but basically Christmas Day and on, he started coming back in daylight, uh, you know, just like he had before. So so I tell my wife, like, I, I need to run, uh, do a little bit of work Wednesday evening. And if it's okay with you, I'm just going to leave straight from work and go up there and hunt. And she said, okay. So again, the, the whole confidence thing came right back. Had to work a little bit Wednesday evening, got out to the ranch basically started the whole gamut over again. You know, I ran the Ozonics on my clothes, charged the camera and stuff. I decided not to bring the GoPro. Um, I just kind of learned from the previous hunt, like if the deer came, which ended up happening pretty quick, uh, I just wasn't going to be able to like reach over and get the GoPro running. And, uh, and I'm just, you know, I'm not trying to put any footage on television. Um, you know, I'd love to do more on YouTube. You know, I, I talked about all summer how I'd like to do more filming this year and kind of wound up not. Um, but I, I was still going to bring the big camera, just not the GoPro. So, so yeah, uh, kind of actually, I forgot. Uh, I got up there and, and you know, I'm, uh, I, I think I'd just gotten out of the shower and uh, I walk out of the bathroom and I ran into my dad. I was like, oh, hey, like I, I didn't know, you know, you were going to be around. He's like, yeah, came up. 
And so I was, I was, I was in the house for like a good 30 minutes, um, you know, getting my stuff ready, uh, you know, doing all that stuff. And, and I'm, and so I get all my stuff packed up and I'm literally walking out the door to go hunt. And, uh, and after all this time, my dad hadn't said anything, but all of a sudden he's like, Hey, uh, you mind helping me for a second? <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, dad, I can help you. So went out, we were, we were trying to get the side by side started and, you know, we were trying to push start it and everything. It wasn't working. And so, uh, put me a little bit behind. Luckily it didn't take too long, but I, I was kind of laughing that I had been there that whole time and he never mentioned needing help. And then as soon as I try to leave, he needs help. So anyway, so same setup, same spot. Uh, again, this has been like two to two and a half weeks. And so, uh, you know, the stand is rested. It's not like I was hunting over and over again. Uh, I want to say this, I want to say when I killed him, that was only like the fourth or fifth time the entire year. I had hunted that stand and, you know, and that's something I really try to be conscious of is, is how many times I hunt all these stands every year. And, you know, I'm big on access and everything. So this stand is one of my best access stands. Like they just, where the deer come from and where I access it are just basically two completely opposite directions. And so I can get away with hunting this stand more than most spots, but I still definitely try not to overhunt it. And so... So same story, uh, get in there, uh, get the Ozonics running, have my camera set up and everything, and uh, and I'm ready. So uh, feeder goes off, I think the day before, I'd gotten a picture of him at like 5.18, and so it, it, he'd been coming a little earlier. I guess it was later in the year, a little colder and everything, although the day I killed him, it actually had gotten warmer that day, so I was a little worried about that, but uh so feeder goes off, um, you know, I'm watching the clock, five o'clock rolls around. I was like, all right, you know, maybe sometime soon about five Oh five rolls around and I look up and I see a deer and, uh, it's normally they come either from up the Creek or down the Creek and kind of circle around. But this doe is basically just coming beeline style, like it's straight across. And so I just see one. She walks out a little further, and I, I keep seeing her look behind her. And again, from the pictures, like I know there's two does that usually come together, and so I'm I'm basically expecting to see another doe. And uh, she walks out a little further, turns her head, and I see the second doe. And I was like, all right, you know, just the does. I got to be still now. I got to make sure I don't spook them so that they don't spook the buck. And so they walk a little further, and they're being fairly cautious. Um, and you know, that's, that's pretty normal. And they're on kind of the downwind side of the feeder and everything again, kind of like I expect. And then all of a sudden they just start like sprinting in and I'm like, man, like they must've, you know, decided that everything was okay and they're coming right in. And, uh, and, but then I look behind them and I see antlers and I see lots of antlers. <laughs> um, uh, and, and it, it basically like all of a sudden just turned into pandemonium. I see, the buck I'm after, I see uh, this other like younger six point. I see this other buck that's kind of a coal buck. I think like a three year old, and uh, and I was actually reaching to turn the camera on to film the does, and so camera comes on. I, I'm I'm kind of freaking out because I see the buck that I'm after. So I grab my bow, uh, ha- make sure I have it handy. Uh, I'm I'm looking at the camera trying to make sure I have things in focus and then and the bucks are kind of like pushing the doe they're not they're not pushing them in like a rut style it was basically I think it was like a competition like they were all like fighting over who was going to get to the feeder first and so I had the the camera set up on the feeder where I thought I'd get a shot and all of a sudden I'm like man I should be filming this and so I pull the camera over and I'm trying to film the deer and like 
one buck is chasing one doe one way, one ch- one buck's chasing the doe the other way, uh, the big buck's chasing the little buck's off. So there's just deer running everywhere all of a sudden. And uh, let's see, so the one buck pushed the one doe uh, around the feeder. One of the little bucks chased the doe into the feeder, and then she like immediately jumped back out. And then the big buck runs up to the feeder and then jumps in the pen. So right now there's the big buck and one of the small bucks in the feeder pen. I suddenly regained my, like, I was trying to film them the whole time. And uh, suddenly I'm, like, very aware that my camera is no longer set up to film. And so I'm getting the camera set up. I'm, you know, getting working on the zoom, trying to get where I want it. Uh, I'm, I, I put my hand on my release. I look down at the camera and I realize it's still zoomed out too far. So I reach over, zoom it back in. And put it kind of basically just ahead of the buck. Because I can tell he was going to keep walking to the right a little bit. So I kind of put him on the left side of the screen. Sure enough, he walks right into the frame. I put my hand on the release. And I actually came to full draw. I went ahead and drew. He had his head down and everything. And then probably the luckiest, most fortunate thing that could have possibly happened. Uh, he actually turned towards me. <laughs> and so uh, I, actually, I actually I held for a while. And then I actually let down. Um, I, man, I held full draw for at least 30, 45 seconds or something. And I let down because he was facing me. And again, that was the best thing because I finally had a chance to, to calm down. Everything had been happening so fast. I was so worried about the camera. I wasn't focusing on the shot. And so it, when I let down, I basically got to take a deep breath and, and go into kill mode. Like I talked about a couple weeks ago when that 2% buck came in. Like I, I, I calmed my breathing. I calmed my heart. You know, my heart was beating out of my chest from all the excitement. And uh, I looked at the camera. The camera was good. I looked at my bow, you know, arrow, release. Everything was good. And I just got to sit there and breathe for a second as, while he faced me. And so he's sitting there. He turns back forward. Or I'm sorry. He turns back broadside. And I kind of get the bow up. And I'm just about to draw. Like I have some tension on the string. And he, he doesn't turn his body, but he turns his head towards me. And so I, I, I wait. I don't come to full draw. Uh, you know, I don't want to get stuck at full draw again like I did before. I, I hate having to let down. I hate having to let down. There's just there's so much movement in it. It can be loud. Um, I've, I've had my arrow, like, come off, like, come unknocked before just because it, you know, gets that weird angle and then lets forward. So I hate coming down. Um, so I, I'm not drawing yet. Uh, and I, I'm just so focused. Like I'm not looking at his antlers. I'm not looking at the other deer. I'm just, I'm just dead set behind that shoulder. And I'm, I'm whispering to myself and in my head, like not out loud. Cause, uh, the last couple bucks I've shot with my bow, I've shot them all high. Um, I've, I've spined two, uh, one of them I hit in the lungs, but it was just, it was super high. I ended up having to track him like 400 yards cause I just hit really high lungs and it took him forever to, to bleed out. Uh, and so just in my head, I'm sitting there going, aim low, aim low, aim low. And so he finally turns his head. He's perfectly broadside, come to full draw. And, uh, his, his leg that was, uh, closest to me was back. And I, and I don't like that. And so I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm just like thinking in my head, like, please step forward. Don't step towards me. Please step forward. Don't step towards me. And as if he could hear me right then he steps forward. So I just have, a beautiful shot. I mean, dream shot. He's perfectly broadside. He has his, his leg that's towards me forward. I bury the pin and just slowly squeeze my release. And it was maybe the best archery shot I've ever taken. 
Um, just beautiful, right behind the shoulder, kind of lower third. Um, just, I mean, just right away, all the confidence of the world, like hammered him, hammered him. So he runs, he jumps out of the pin. I see my arrow. I got a complete pass through. Uh, my lighted knock is sitting there glowing in all its glory. Uh, he runs off and I, I have never once, uh, watched a deer that I shot with my bow fall in eyesight uh, within sight, you know? Um, usually I'm hunting pretty thick timber or right on the edge of timber or something like that. And they just, they just disappear. You know, even if they only go 80 to hundred yards, I can't see them. And, uh, and the whole, like, man, I don't know about you guys, but like when I'm, uh, watching like outdoor television or I'm watching people deer hunt, you know, they're always like, Oh, I heard, I heard him go down. I heard him crash. I have never heard deer crash. <laughs> I don't know if I'm too excited. I don't know if the adrenaline closes in my ears or what, but I have never once heard a deer crash. But I'm watching this buck run off. All the other deer are like, you know, zooming around like crazy. They don't know what's going on. They just know that he's running. They, you know, probably heard a little noise. Um, but I'm watching this buck and he's running like very confidently. Uh, and then just all of a sudden he just stops. He just stops in his tracks. And I'm watching him. I was like, He's going to go down right there. And uh, and sure enough, he starts to wobble, starts to wobble, and poof, I watch him fall over. I, I'm seeing his, his legs kick in the air and stuff. And for the first time in my bow hunting career, I watched a buck go down in sight. And I was so, he fell in the like best place possible. He fell in the wide open on this little hillside. Um, if he would have gone further, he could have possibly made it to the neighbors and into some thick timber. If he would have gone to the right, he would have wound up down in the creek. And this creek has really steep banks. It would not have been fun to dig him out of there. Plus, it's really muddy. But he just fell in the most perfect spot there on the side hill. And uh, I was just so elated. I mean, again, like, you know, I've, I've killed bucks with my bow. Um, but I haven't killed a ton, if I'm being completely honest. I'm, I don't know. I can't think off the top of my head. Um, but it just seems like, it just seems like when you're bow hunting, something always goes wrong. They like, you either hit them a little high, a little low, a little back, whatever. Um, you know, you have to track them a really long way. Like I said, the last buck I killed with my bow, I think I had to track 400 yards. Uh, or no, that was two bucks ago. The last buck I shot, I spined and that's, you know, not good. Even though they don't go anywhere, you just kind of feel bad. And, uh, so it just seemed like for once, Everything went right. And if y'all followed me this season, you know it's been pretty up and down. I, I mean, I won't mention the whole Colorado trip again. Um, I've had some pretty rough whitetail hunt. You know, the whole, like, my water bottle scaring the 2% buck, the hog hunter scaring this buck. It's just been a little bit of a crazy season. And so, for once, finally, December 28th, I finally caught a little luck. And everything just went well. So, um, I think a lot of it was preparation. You know, I shot my bow a lot over the summer. Um, I think actually I, I take that back. I shot, I shot my long bow a lot over the summer. Uh, but I think I talked about it on an earlier episode or maybe it was the Nebraska episode. Uh, when I did, you know, switch to the compound after the shooting the long bow, I was shooting better than I've ever shot before. I think just having to focus so much on my form and everything and, and shooting consistently, even if even if I wasn't shooting my compound consistently, I was still shooting a bow consistently. Um, and then, you know, after after kind of the season got underway, I was shooting my compound quite a bit. Um, was just super confident in my setup. Um, man, I started shooting the Vector uh, Custom Shop Arrows last year. I love those things. 
they're 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 not crazy super high FOC, but they are a higher FOC arrow, um, and they just they can fix a lot of your mistakes. If I'm being honest, uh, you know, you type in all your specs and everything. They they make an arrow just for you and just for your bow. Um, so yeah, super confident in my setup. Uh, I was shooting, uh, you know, single bevel, not single bevel, but, uh, single blade broadheads, you know, cut on contact broadhead. Um, I've, I've been still shooting my Matthews triax that I, I absolutely love, have no intention of getting rid of any, anytime soon. I was just very confident in, in all, basically everything. And I think that's a big part of, uh, of me killing this buck. I was confident in the spot. I was confident in my gear. Um, you know, I trusted my trail cameras. I, the buck had been so consistent. I just, I just knew he was going to be there and that kind of helped me get in the right headspace. So, so yeah, all that to say, I, I downed an awesome buck. Um, I didn't even have to give him that much time. You know, I saw him go down. Uh, I gave him maybe 15 minutes, something like that, which is by far the shortest I've ever given an archery buck. Um, if you don't see a buck go down, do not do that. Um, I usually give, I used to give an hour after my deal two years ago where I had to truck, uh, track that buck so far. Uh, I'm a big fan of giving two hours, honestly. Uh, like it's not going to hurt anything. Um, and it, it can only help honestly. So unless you're just super, super confident in your shot, like I was with this one, it doesn't hurt to give him some extra time. So, uh, so yeah, went, got him. Uh, took a whole bunch of pictures. Uh, man, I'm getting, if I do say so myself, I'm getting pretty darn good at the whole self-timer, uh, taking pictures of yourself by yourself, uh, if I do say so myself. So, got plenty of pictures. Um, it was actually, even though I was right there, it was actually kind of a pain to get the truck to because I can't cross that creek. So, I actually had to go back around, like, through, I want to say, three different pastures uh, around to the north and then come up into that pasture, got him loaded up. Uh, I was still able to load him by myself. I was joking with some buddies. It's like when I when I can no longer load a buck into the back of my pickup by myself, that's when I know I'm getting old. So was still able to get him loaded. Um, got him, you know, gutted and everything that night. I uh, was able to show my nieces and nephews, you know, I hunt, you know, basically at my brother's house. So that was fun. That's uh, something that I've really enjoyed the last year or two. Now that the kids are getting a little older, you know, having them come out and and see the buck. Something I'm definitely looking forward to in a few more years with my own daughter. Um, just getting to share those experiences with her. So, so yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the story. Um, I, I ended up taking that deer to a processor the next day. Um, I, I took the, the tenderloins out myself just because after I gutted them, they're right there. You might as well do it so they don't ruin. Get them out there nice and quick. Um, but yeah, I'm going to get a lot of sausage made out of them. Uh, the, the processor I took him to, I've, I've never heard of this, but, uh, they basically don't let you do like this amount of, uh, sausage and this amount of burger. They do this amount of sausage or that amount of burgers. Like you got to pick one. So going to have a whole lot of breakfast sausage, um, getting some jerky. Um, again, like I usually like to take at least one deer a year to the processor to get more of that kind of specialty type stuff. Um, my other buck, I, I processed him, him, processed him all myself. Um, but honestly, I just, I just don't have enough time to do all that crazy fancy stuff a lot of times. So, so yeah, took him to the processor. Uh, I'm going to, I'm just going to do a Euro mount on him. Um, I, I got super lucky with that also dropped him off there and, uh, he said he was just about to do a batch. And so he said, I should actually get him back fairly quick. So that's awesome. Um, the buck, I, I haven't talked about, uh, him and his antlers. So again, just a beautiful, 
mainframe eight. Uh, I want to say he was he was just around eighteen inches wide, pretty nice and wide. Um, I think his tallest tine was eleven inches, which is you know pretty darn good. Um, the one thing I, I really thought he was going to be in the one forties, if I'm being honest, I'm not a huge score guy. Um, but I, I thought he was going to break one forty. but one of his G twos, I mentioned this, uh, earlier that this was kind of a down year antler wise for a lot of my bucks. One of his G twos was quite a bit shorter than actually it turned out to be exactly, uh, two inches shorter and he ended up scoring about one thirty eight. So if he would have had those two inches, he would have made 140. Um, his mass was not super great. Um, uh, again, all of his times were pretty good. Even his threes were pretty good. Uh, he had the one week G2, uh, pretty average brow tines, um, but just he, you know, not very heavy. And that one G2 kind of hurt him on score wise. So again, super happy with him. I mean, that is still a heck of an eight point. Um, I think he, I'm pretty sure he's my biggest archery buck. And I think he ties for my biggest eight point. Um, so yeah, super happy with him. Uh, and it was also really cool uh, that I, I killed a buck out of the same stand two years in a row on the same date. That was also pretty cool. So so yeah, that is the story of my 2022 archery buck. I'm trying to think if I left anything out. Um, it was a great hunt, great easy recovery. Um, tagged out on bucks for the, I want to say this is the fourth year in a row I've been fortunate enough to fill both my buck tags. Um, not all those have been archery. Uh, I think every year at least, at least one of them has been archery. Um, but yeah, like I said, this year got one with, uh, the muzzleloader last year. I'm, I'm, I don't know why I'm having a hard time remembering what I killed last year. Was last I think last year was a double archery see, uh, kill. I don't know. Anyway, I love the fact, you know, first world problems. I'm getting to the point where I'm actually kind of struggling a little bit to remember uh, which bucks I killed which year. So definitely first world problem. Uh, I know I'm su- super fortunate. And so, yeah. But, but yeah, I think that's going to wrap up uh, this here podcast. Um, I don't think I have any last minute announcements. I think that's going to do it. So, Again, thank you guys for listening. Um, I know this is kind of like the beginning of the year, but I also kind of feel like it's still the end of the year because hunting season's winding down. Um, still doing some hunting. I did a little bit of duck hunting last week. I took actually the, the guys I was talking about uh, earlier from church. Uh, we went duck hunting one morning, killed a few ducks. Um, they they just watched me. They they were uh, none of them had ever, had ever hunted before, but they were curious about it. So I took them duck hunting. They got to watch me duck hunt. And then that evening took them hog hunting. One of them was able to kill their first hog. And so really, really cool. Um, I love introducing people to the outdoors. So that was really fun. And then this weekend, plan to do a little bit more hunting. Um, I think one morning uh, we're going to go duck hunting. And then I might try to kill another doe or two with my bow. Um, because I, you know, I, I, I was kind of counting on help having an elk this year. Obviously that didn't work out. And so I might try to kill another doe too, just so we have some more meat in the freezer. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sad, but it's winding down folks. Uh, deer season is winding down. I th- yeah, I think I mentioned in my intro when this, when this drops, it'll be the last weekend of deer season, but there are still plenty of ways to get outside. So, so don't let it pass. Take advantage of every moment you can and get out there and have some fun. So I think that's going to do it for this week, guys. We had a a really good episode. I hope you enjoyed my story, my 2022 archery buck. 
And until next week, yep, I think it's time to shut it down. Until next week, thank you guys for listening, and I will see you guys right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. You have the right to the best wireless service. Bravado Wireless provides the best mobile wireless, high-speed internet, latest devices, and customer service at prices you feel good about. Bravado Wireless strives to put these values first and offer you the best wireless service available. See what they have to offer at bravadowireless.com or one of their retail locations in eastern Oklahoma. Let Bravado Wireless connect you to your family, friends, and business partners all over the world. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection.